Funding for Smart Talk is provided by Capital Blue Cross. For 80 years, Capital Blue Cross has offered products that provide peace of mind and promote good health. Focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like its Capital Blue Health and Wellness Centers that provide in-person service and inspire healthy living. Capital Blue Cross is behind you for whatever lies ahead. More information is at capbluecross.com. Capital Blue Cross. Live fearless. Smart Talk is also supported by UPMC Pinnacle. Its 11 principal investigators and 12 nurse coordinators conduct research efforts to advance cardiovascular medicine. Information at upmcpinnacle.com slash myheart. Welcome to Smart Talk. I'm Scott Lamar. Last week, the nation's largest retailer, Walmart, agreed to stop selling a T-shirt that read Rope tree journalist, some assembly required. At least 34 journalists have been physically assaulted in the U.S. in 2017. And President Donald Trump verbally attacks the media on a regular basis. These are really, really dishonest people. And they're bad people. And I really think they don't like our country. I really believe that. The 2017 Pointer Media Trust Survey released last week found that just over half of Americans don't have very much or no trust at all in the mass media. That same survey found that 69% believe news organizations tend to favor one side. But at the same time, 69% also say the press keeps political leaders from doing things that shouldn't be done. Trust in media is our topic today. Joining us, Dan Shelley, Executive Director of the Radio, Television, Digital News News Association. Mr. Shelley, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Scott. Thanks for having me. Also, Tim Lambert, WITF's Multimedia News Director. Tim, you had a long way to come to stop in and appear on the program. Just change seats. Yes, glad to be here. If you have a question or a comment, give us a call. This is a topic that I know a lot of people have opinions on. Trust in the media. 1-800-729-7532 or send an email to smarttalk at org. Dan Shelley, let me start with you. The public bashing of the media on an almost daily basis by the President of the United States is probably unprecedented, at least on the level that uh, President Trump does it. But the nation's largest retailer selling a T-shirt that makes light of hanging journalists. Dozens of journalists assaulted. Only half of the nation having trust in the news they're hearing and reading. How would you describe the current atmosphere that we're living in? I would say, and this is not an overstatement, that it is right now in America uh, the most perilous time to be a journalist in our modern history. And uh, it wasn't just uh, Walmart, by the way, that was selling that T-shirt on its e-commerce platform. Uh, as soon as uh, I contacted Walmart's top executives, uh, they did the right thing and within five hours had removed it from their website. The next day, however, the T-shirt popped up on Amazon.com. And so I wrote a letter to Jeff Bezos, the founder and CEO of uh, Amazon, who also happens to own, as you probably know, the Washington Post, one of the nation's most storied newspapers, uh, and uh, he's he Bezos is famous for for at least claiming that he read actually reads his emails uh, that he gets from people. So I I can only assume he saw my note because within four hours Amazon.com uh, had removed the shirt from its website. Then over the weekend uh, it popped up on eBay.com, and on eBay the seller who was selling it there said rope tree journalist lynch shirt banned from walmart so we made replicas uh so i contacted yesterday the ceo of uh ebay and within two hours it had been removed from the ebay site so the the shirt as as offensive and threatening and uh as much as it advocates for violence uh it's really just a symptom of the larger issue that you, you you talk about scott um, as you noted, nearly three dozen journalists in the United States of America have been assaulted this year so far merely for performing their what I call their constitutionally guaranteed duty to seek and report truth. And it's, it's very frustrating and shocking. And, and uh, to some journalists, uh, it's, it's a bit intimidating. But, but the, the answer to these attacks on journalism is, frankly, more and better journalism. And thank goodness we're seeing a lot of that uh, as uh, news organizations all across the country have stepped up their games and are, are 
are being more transparent about what they're reporting and how they're reporting it uh, in a precise effort to try to rebuild trust with the public. We're going to be talking about that here, something that the WITF is, is involved in a project. Uh, but how did it get this way, Dan? Well, it's always been this way to some degree. Uh, there's always been a segment of the population that either doesn't like or doesn't understand the proper role of uh, the the legitimate or what I call responsible journalism uh you know, industry, if you will, or craft. Uh, they, they've just been emboldened within the past couple of years or so to uh, a much greater degree because of, in part, uh, some of the vitriol uh, that, that's being spewed by some of uh, our nation's top political leaders uh, and uh, their supporters. You know, many have said that, uh, in the soundbite you played earlier from, uh, from the president during the campaign, Many have said that's a dog whistle to people, that it's okay to lash out. Uh, I, I don't think that's a dog whistle. I think that's a bullhorn. And I think the, the, the call uh, to those people who have always, uh, under the surface, uh, felt distrust for the media for whatever reason, uh, it, it's been uh, a loud call to them uh, that it's okay to, to act out and to lash out. Tim, we've even seen this on the local level. Yeah, absolutely. Uh and um we have a we have a voicemail I recorded um uh recently and it was about the second or third day in a row I had received a similar voicemail. And and I'm 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 playing this because I don't wanna I'm not necessarily calling out the person who sent this voicemail, who left the voicemail, without leaving a name I should say. But what I want people to listen to, what I want you to listen to is the tone and the use of some of the words in which he describes our work. Yeah, we wanted to report a news tip uh, that NPR News is all fake news. They're full of lies and biased opinions. And we're kind of shocked that WITF goes along propagating that kind of trashy news from NPR. And it's also horrifying that public tax dollars go to support public radio. We're sick and tired of our hard-earned tax dollars that the government's in debt and don't even have the money. And then they go wasted on NPR news and public radio. So it's about time they get rid of the, the Corporation for Public Broadcasting and get rid of NPR news. If NPR news can't stand on its own two feet, shut her down. If WITF can't stand on its own two feet, shut her down. We're sick of the biased, radical, leftist, anti-American biased news. It's all fake news, and we're fed up. Yeah, the tone and the language. Um, okay. So we're talking about journalism. He used biased, radical, leftist, anti-American. That to me is astounding, Dan, don't you think? Yeah, it, it is, but that's mild compared to the feedback I got, mostly via email and on Twitter, uh, after compelling Walmart to remove the, uh, the Rope Tree Journalist shirt from its website. Um, you know, th that... Don't 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 get me wrong. People have a right to criticize the media, absolutely, and an ex and an expectation to hold us accountable. Uh, and we have an expectation, more important, to be held accountable for our actions, to be transparent about what we as journalists do. Uh, when we make mistakes, as all human beings do, uh, we have a responsibility to correct them promptly and to hold those responsible accountable. As you just saw uh, late last week, uh, the Brian Ross. Uh, error in a breaking news story about uh, the Michael Flynn guilty plea. Uh, ABC News acted swiftly to correct that error and suspended Brian Ross for four weeks without pay and has now announced that he will no longer be allowed to cover any news associated with Donald Trump. So ABC took some swift action. Uh, and uh, earlier this year, CNN made a mistake in uh, an online report uh, and fired an entire unit of uh, digital investigative reporters uh, because uh, that mistake was made. They promptly corrected that error. So it's okay to criticize journalism and journalists and news organizations, but just to, to, to say, you know, we're, we're leftist and we're anti-American, uh, that I believe is, is, uh, is a gross, uh, I don't want to use the word abuse because the individual who left that voicemail and the people who trolled me after the Walmart story broke uh, nationally 
uh, they have a right to speak out, mm-hmm. which which raises another important point in my mind, uh, and that is, you know, we at RTDNA, we are a fierce, nonpartisan First Amendment advocate. So this was not an easy decision for us to reach out to Walmart and then Amazon and then eBay, uh, because we recognize that companies have the right to sell these T-shirts. Consumers have the right to purchase and wear these T-shirts under the same First Amendment that gives us the right uh, to seek and report the the news. Uh, But just because you have a right to do something, in this case, sell T-shirts openly advocating violence targeting journalists, just because you have the right to do it, that doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. And so that's why we ultimately came down on uh, on the side of uh, respectfully requesting that those shirts be removed from the largest uh, e-commerce platforms in the country. Dan, when I ask uh, what's changed or you know what what's happened that we've gotten to this point, you know, we as a society often look for simple answers, and it's not as simple as just pointing to one thing and saying, "Oh, that's what the problem is." So, uh, you know, let's explore several reasons that uh, we've gotten to this point. Uh, one of the reasons that uh, you know we see the atmosphere we do is that so many places, there are so many places to get news today, 24-hour news networks, social media. Uh, some have a commitment to being responsible journalists, but there's others that don't. And that leads to news consumers tuning into or re- reading news from sources they agree with or reinfer- reinforce their point of view. That is a real problem that we have today. I think that's exactly right, Scott. I mean, uh, citizens have a responsibility uh, to seek and report the facts or seek and consume the facts uh, as well, and not just the facts uh, from sources with which uh, they tend mostly to agree. Uh, And one of the big problems in, in trust in media in the country today is this public conflation of opinion media and responsible journalism. Uh, even on uh, two uh, diametrically opposed from uh, an ideological standpoint cable uh, channels, Fox News on the right, MSNBC on the left, during daytime hours, excluding the early morning hours, during daytime hours, they have actual journalists doing a responsible job of reporting the news. The, the Pardon the, the, the trite uh 50, 60-year-old phrase, but just the facts, man, the Joe Friday news. Uh, It's in the evening and in the early mornings when they have opinion programs that use facts gathered by journalists to reinforce opinions of the hosts. Dan, can I just jump... Can I just jump in sure. real quick here? Because I think a good point to make is when you talk about that, is you have these these cable news channels, both you know CNN, NBC, MSNBC. They have these panel discussions on a well-reported story that maybe took months to to flesh out. That uh, has you know impeccable sources, thirty or forty sources. Then you have people who did not lift a finger to do any of that work, offering their opinions on that story, which immediately distorts the story. Whether they mean to or not, they still distort it because they're not the ones who were, were, you know, down boots on the ground doing the work. And all of a sudden, that story takes on different meanings than when you actually read it. You know, the, the, the interpretation of it is lost. You're right. Those panel discussions on, uh, on the cable networks and, and, else, and other forums, um, they do tend to feature differing points of views that can create uh, occasionally false equivalencies. In other words, take the issue of, of climate change, for example. More than 99% of, of scientists believe it's real. Less than 1% believe it's not real. Yet, uh, should journalists give a 50-50 equal time split in their coverage to, to both points of view? So th- these panel discussions that uh, that tend to analyze or attempt to analyze the breaking news stories done by responsible journalists can sometimes create these false equival- uh, equivalencies uh, that uh, distort in viewers and, and consumers' minds, news consumers' minds, uh, what the story really is. But then what you're saying is that a lot of viewers, listeners, readers don't recognize the difference between commentary, opinion, and actual journalism, actual news. So do we in the media have to do a better job of making that distinction? Yes. Uh, The reason 
some people, many people, cannot make that distinction, uh, is, is, is our fault. Uh, we have not done a, a, a good enough job making clear to the public the difference between fact-based journalism and opinion. Uh, and that's, that's not a new phenomenon. It's just, uh, it's just come under much, a much sharper focus uh, in the uh, political and ideological environment in which we find ourselves today. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. Smart Talk is supported by Capital Blue Cross, providing health care coverage accepted by doctors and specialists in all 50 states. More information is available at capbluecross.com. Capital Blue Cross, live fearless. Smart Talk is also supported by UPMC Pinnacle, committed to reducing hospital-acquired infections and readmission rates. More information on UPMC Pinnacle's achievements in patient safety can be found at upmcpinnacle.com quality. We're discussing trust in the media today with Dan Shelley, executive director of the Radio Television Digital News Association, and Tim Lambert, WITF's multimedia news director. If you have a question or a comment, give us a call, 1-800-729-7532. Send an email to smarttalk at WITF.org. You can leave a question or comment on WITF's Facebook page. On Twitter, we are at SmartTalkWITF. Again, the phone number, 1-800-729-7532. Let's take a few phone calls. Lenny is in Mannheim. Lenny, you're on the air. Good morning. This is a very timely and great topic. Well, thank you. Um, I would like to just say that Fox News would not have ever needed to exist had the other in my opinion, networks did their job properly. And people and consumers aren't fools. They're not stupid. They can spot a slant when they see one. And the other thing that I would like to point out is that when, for example, the media has done a horrible job at at literally misreporting issues from immigration to it'll Illegal immigration, for example, has turned into a puff story of somebody just needing work versus the person who loses his job in a construction site, which happens all the time. And I would just like to say that, you know, just the, the, the piece that you just had a minute ago, sexual conduct in the era of Trump. Oh, my goodness. That proves the point of the right, because you're making it seem like in the age of Trump, all these sexual gropers just came out of the closet when Bill Clinton had sexual groping on his hands. Come on. Hey, Lenny, so, I mean, uh, it is a mess. We, we got your point. Thank you very much for your call. Dan, your response? Well, my response is that, that Fox News was formed as uh, uh, Roger Ailes and Rupert Murdoch saw uh, a need uh, in, uh, in America to have uh, uh, to be able to make huge amounts of money establishing a cable network that uh, was aimed at the same audience that talk radio, uh, uh, conservative talk radio, had uh, uh, so artfully uh, inca- or so artfully uh, capitalized on. And, and that's why Fox News was founded in 1996. Uh, uh, so, and there is some truth to what the caller said. I mean, I, I, I respect uh, his point of view, uh, but uh, I, I would also say that that, uh, uh, you, you know, there are a lot of sources of information out there, uh, more so than ever before, and uh, that citizens have a responsibility uh, to seek uh, information from sources beyond those outlets that tend to reinforce their preconceived notions or, or ideals. And I'd just, I'd just like to add, too, I think that uh, the caller had a point, too, when, when you're talking about, um, you know, sexual harassment or in the age of Trump. I mean, media organizations sometimes don't think, think things through all the way, and, and uh, you know, they go for that clickbait. And, you know, he was right. You know, in Bill Clinton, this goes back to, you know, generations of politicians and powerful people in America that just hasn't been addressed. So um, the way things are, are framed, the wording we use, we have to take greater care, I think now more than ever, because of, of so much scrutiny on what we do and because of those other organizations that will use 
you know, inflammatory wording to to get clicks on their stories. Okay. Uh, aside from what you just discussed with using the way a, a story is framed, something else that the caller brought up. He said that uh, people are not dumb. They can see when there there is a bias. Most newsrooms or journalists in those newsrooms are liberal politically. That's what uh, most of the surveys, when they've been surveyed and asked about it. Uh, and something I think that uh, many news consumers have a hard time understanding and will point to is that that doesn't result in or how it doesn't result in bias reporting toward conservatives or Republicans. Dan, how about that? I mean, this almost goes back to journalism 101, that how you keep your personal opinions out of a story. Yeah, it, it's uh, it, it's difficult to do, uh, you know, but it is something that, that uh, responsible journalists make every conceivable effort to do uh, and uh, almost always succeed. Um, you know, it, it was interesting. I, I was born and grew up and started my journalism career in the Midwest. Uh, and when I got uh, to New York, and started working uh, in uh, the New York market uh, as a journalist, uh, I was shocked that uh, I, I did not find myself surrounded by a bunch of East Coast liberal elite journalists. Uh, just the opposite was true. Uh, these were hardworking people uh, who were trying to get the facts straight, uh, irre irrespective of uh, what personal opinions they may or may not have had. Uh, I never heard political debates, uh, pro or con, against uh, any candidates based on their positions or their ideologies. Uh, and, uh, you know, everybody seems to think, many people seem to think, everybody is a, uh, is a generalization. Many people seem to think that if they hear a news story or read a news story or see a story on television uh, that runs counter to their preconceived notion of what the facts should be, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're all too quick to throw out the B-word, bias. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I think that's unfortunate uh, because uh, responsible journalists work extremely hard every single day uh, to seek the facts, report what Carl Bernstein calls the best obtainable version of the truth, uh, and to let the public make decisions based on that information. And I would also point out that every day across the country, there are journalists who are exposing corruption, shining lights on problems in, in the community that otherwise would not see the light of day. And the, those stories, those news reports, are, are serving as catalysts for positive change. Uh, and we as, a, as an industry, we as journalists, need to do a better job of showcasing those examples. Um, and uh, just one other thing on this topic, uh, on your question, Scott, and, and I almost hate to use this analogy, but it's so true. People say they hate Congress in the abstract, but they sure love their local representative. People say they hate the news media in the abstract, but they often say, but I, I love that John Smith on Channel 6 <laughs> who uh, gives me the news at, at 11 o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go back to the phone. Larry is in Liverpool. Larry, you're on the air. Hey guys! Um, hey Larry, it's it's getting bad, man. I mean, I love NPR radio. Listen to it. I used to tell all my friends, man. I, I moved to this area, and basically, it's the only station for some reason that comes in clear on my radio where I work. So I I was kind of forced to listen to NPR a lot more instead of Jim Rome because I couldn't get that. But well, I, well, I love I don't know how to NPR take that. radio. But now, ever since. All, all this is going on. I have to literally turn it off for three, four days at a time because I can't take all the negativity. And I have a journalism uh, minor. And I had a radio and TV, and uh, journalism was my minor. Then I went in the service. So I'm a veteran. I believe we can say and do whatever we want to do because of America, and I would have died for it. And I'm like, I just can't take it anymore, man. I mean, he. Every show like that other caller said, boom, there it is. So I'm not going to listen to NPR radio today, but that's my choice. So I know what's coming. I'm just, you guys have workers and, and uh, journalism uh, folks all over the world, all over the country. 
let's let's listen to some other stuff once in a while. We gotta we well, Larry. Gotta okay, it up. Larry, I'm can I can, burned out? Can I know? can I interrupt for a moment? When you say you're burned out, boom, there it is. What what specifically are you talking about? The negativity of the administration of our leaders of and everybody knows who it is. But I tell you what, America voted, and I don't even want to get into politics. I have my Facebook. I can't even stand looking at my Facebook. I have to delete, delete, delete. I want to see pictures of my friends' kids or or my family or whatever. I I don't want to hear about politics. I'm tired of it. All right. Thank you very much for your call, Larry, Tim. And, Larry, thanks for your service. Appreciate uh, the call, too, and the feedback. Um, You know, it's hard for us as journalists. I mean, we're in this every day, too, and we're seeing what's being said, whether it's the news stories, whether it's the attacks on journalists. um, And there is a lot of of stuff out there right now that uh, the news is is bleak. I mean, worldwide, it's bleak, everything you hear. Um, So I I feel your pain. And, uh, you know, it's just it's just a news cycle right now and and how things are are going. Um, It's it's tough, though. It's tough to be a part of it, especially when you have social media and you're, you're looking on Facebook for pictures of your friend's kids and you're seeing political debates and, and, and you know, discussions over these stories. So, yeah, it beats you down a little bit. We have a few emails here. Tom asks, what is confirmation bias? We've kind of discussed that, but he asks, are news reporters subject to it? Is it possible to avoid it, journalist or reader? Dan, what about that? Uh, the short answer is yes, but it takes some effort. Uh, on both parts, uh, and journalists are are professionals uh, who are are paid uh, to seek the truth or the best attainable version of the truth and report it in a responsible way. Uh, citizens uh, have the responsibility to uh, seek information from sources other than just those with which they tend to agree uh, politically or ideologically. Uh, ideologically. So the short answer is yes. The longer answer is both sides in this question, journalists and other citizens, have responsibilities here. And I would add, if you're going into a story with a preconceived notion, you're probably going about the story wrong. Um, you know, you, you're inv- you're taking a look at an issue and you're going to go where the facts lead you and you're going to hear from the people who can have the best input on how that story is playing out, whether it's a policy decision from the state capitol or whether it's something that's done on the county commissioner's level. Um, but you are going to have to follow the, the, the path of where those facts lead you. And as Dan said, get as close to the truth as possible. Josh emails, it is healthy to be skeptical of the media. In fact, I believe it is necessary for a healthy democracy. One cannot trust everything they read or hear. Learning to question is paramount. That being said, it is objective skepticism not emotional skepticism that I'm referring to. Distrusting the media because it does not conform to your political beliefs or worldview is unhealthy. But learning to neutrally evaluate is necessary. And I think he makes a a good point that that's what journalists do is they question. The public should probably do that as well, Dan. Oh, I could not agree more. Uh, I said earlier that that, uh, journalists should be held accountable uh, and uh, responsible journalists welcome that scrutiny from the public. Uh, and uh, if they make errors or if it's discovered they have made an error, they correct it promptly and uh, are held accountable for it. Uh, I could not agree with uh, those that statement more uh, more than I do. I'll second that. Let's go to Ralph in Lemoyne. Ralph, you're on the air. Yeah, hi. It seems hey, like Ralph. the elephant in the room has orange hair and no one seems to be wanting to admit it. Um, you know, the president became president because the media made him. They covered every outrageous rant that he covered, and now he dubs them the uh, fake news. And everybody who voted for him believes that anything you hear is fake. I mean, <laughs> how do we get around that? Thank you very much for your call. You know, Dan, there are a lot of people who believe exactly what uh, what he just said, what Ralph just said, that there would not be a President Donald Trump if he did not get the uh, extraordinary amount of media coverage that he did after announcing his, uh, his candidacy in 2015. Well, I, I suppose there is uh, at least a kernel of truth in, in that statement. Uh, but but I mean, try to think back, uh, you know, a couple of years ago when the campaign first started, and and uh, our our now president uh, descended uh, the escalators in Trump Tower and and 
immediately in his, in his announcement uh, uh, accused Mexicans of being rape, rapists, and, and uh, some are good people, I think, he said. And uh, he was uh, a, a phenomenon, uh, the likes of which in presidential politics uh, we really had never seen before, at least in modern times. And so, you know, it's just it's just natural for the media and for members of the public uh, to be drawn to, to spectacles. And um, a lot of what the now president said and did during the campaign and has said and done uh, after assuming office in January uh, is uh, has, uh, falls within the category, I would say, of, of being a spectacle. And let's talk a little bit more about that, Tim. The, the two of us had this conversation actually before we went on the air today. I walked by a TV uh, set this morning, and CNN was doing an interview with LeVar Ball, who is the, the, the father of uh, a couple, one player in the NBA and his son, a member of the UCLA basketball team that was arrested in China for uh, shoplifting. President Trump claims that he got him released. Uh, Ball said no, he had nothing to do with it. But... You know, you, you hate to make judgments about uh, people, but when you use the word spectacle, Ball is one of those people that just craves media attention, and you wonder what he what he can add to the discourse in this. You said we can't help ourselves. What yeah, some, sometimes I think you know when you when when I, I'll I won't speak for this organization, but I mean in that case, I think you know you know you're going to get a good soundbite from somebody, and you're going to get a rise out of somebody, and you're going to get some tweets, you know, going on. Then then you're going to have that on there. Um, I think it's our job when it comes to figuring out who to talk to as a source. You know, you have to consider what they're going to bring to the conversation. What are they going to be able to add to to um, the story at hand? Um, what sort of context or what sort of facts are they going to bring? And, um, you know, in a case of, of having uh, him on the air, uh, you know, that just does create a bit of a spectacle, because what exactly is he bringing to the conversation? Except Trump bashing. I, uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Let's go to Jim and Enola. Jim, you're on the air. Hi, Scott. Hi, uh, this is a great topic. I'm glad you're doing this. I, I want to make a, a few uh, points uh, as quickly as I can. Uh, I, I just want to gently push back at uh, the caller, Larry. Uh, I, I, I think Larry is blaming the media for the times that we live in. The, the job of the media is to report on the times that we live in, and unfortunately, they're not very savory times. Uh, I, I, and another point is that people need to distinguish between credible and non-credible news media, and they're just not doing that. Let me give you a couple of examples. There are media that, that are on their editorial pages are pretty left-leaning, say the Washington Post and the New York Times, and there's but, but their news gathering operations are very good and very objective, and they've won lots of Pulitzer Prizes. On the right, there's the Wall Street Journal. It's kind of right-leaning in its editorials, but it is also an excellent news organization. Uh, there are plenty of other ones, a lot of them on the Internet, that are just absurd. Some of them, as we found out, were funded and, and led by the Russians, uh, by Vladimir Putin, and it's just incredibly intellectually lazy to blame all media for the irresponsible behavior of, of uh, some. It just drives me crazy when I hear people say, well, all the media is bad because of a, a few stupid things. Mm -hmm. uh, the, another point I wanted to make is I think that what happened with Brian Roth is a good thing because Brian Roth made a mistake and he was immediately disciplined by ABC, and that's a good thing. When, when there's consequences to bad actions by a journalist, uh, you should have more, not less, respect for ABC News. The last thing I want to say is you guys have a great show for people who want to learn how to uh, figure out which media they can believe in and not believe in, and that is On the Media. I'd encourage everybody to listen regularly to On the Media. Uh, thank you. Thank you very Thanks, much Jim. for your call, Jim. So, Dan, what do you think about what Jim had to say? I agree. <laughs> that's simple. Yeah, he yeah covered, that's simple. Yeah, he covered a lot of ground. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar.
We're talking about trust in media today with our guest, Dan Shelley, executive director of the Radio Television Digital News Association, and Tim Lambert, WITF's multimedia news director. If you have a question or a comment, give us a call, 1-800-729-7532. Send an email to smarttalk at WITF.org. We have a lot of phone calls. I'm going to try to get to as many as, as we can here today. But, Tim, one thing I did want to mention is something that WITF is a, a part of with other news organizations across the country. The Trusting News Project, what is it? Well, the Trusting News Project is a pilot program to uh, try to help organizations and the public have a better understanding of each other. Uh, and one of them would be that, uh, you know, it's up to us to uh, to show the public that we are a credible organization, that we are trustworthy, and that we do our jobs to the best of our abilities and, and in the best way possible. Um, I think that journalism isn't a one-way street anymore where we produce stories and we just put it out there for the masses to read, and, and that's it. We have, you know, we have uh, comments on social media. We have, uh, we have callers to smart talk. So um, being a part of this trusting news project allows us to tackle five goals per week uh, over the next four months. And among those goals is to demonstrate balance in our stories. Why do we say that this story is balanced? What is our approach in making sure that we have achieved balance in our stories? Um, describe some of our ethics and funding. That We do that a lot as public media. Our contributions come from listener members like you, our, uh, from corporations, from foundations, uh, from the government as well. So we want to talk about the, the funding mechanisms. We want to talk about our ethics, uh, why what we believe in and what we follow as we, as we do journalism, as they say. Um, we're going to show how we are distinct from the so-called media, what makes our organization different. Um, and then also be accessible and responsive. And that means taking calls on Smart Talk. That means answering your questions on social media. That means answering your questions uh, through emails. And explain the process of reporting. Um, why are we doing a story? How are we doing that story? Uh, and invite the community to follow along and contribute to our process of developing a story. We want to show that we do our homework, that we understand the issue we're tackling. We want to talk about why we looked for chances to highlight progress in on a certain topic. So uh, I think it's just another evolution of a, of a journalism as a media organization to take that step to make sure that the public understands the rigors of what a story goes through before it actually goes on air or online. Mm. Let's take some more phone calls here. Dave is in Union Township. Dave, you're on the air. I I just wanted to say I disagree with your guest about how to deal with um, the calls for fake news. Um, I, I would encourage everybody to visit the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. and look at the rise of the Nazi Party. It was based on blaming specific groups and also denigrating the media exactly like um, President Trump did in his rise to power. And the response to the Nazi Party from the media obviously should not have been just having more truth or having more reviews or being more accurate. The response should be calling out the liar and deceiver and misinformation campaign that the Nazi Party provided, and also that Trump provided. Hey, thank you very much for your call. And Dan, you know, there are people out there, and just some of the, the things that uh, Tim listed with uh, what we're trying to do with this Trust in Media project, talking about balance, but you gave an example earlier, climate change. Balance does not mean that if you have two different opinions that it's a 50-50 kind of balance. So, you know, sometimes you have to put some thought into that. But the point that he makes, there is a segment, there is a thought uh, out there that uh, the media should be calling out what they see and that it's not opinion if they see something that, uh, okay, for example, I'll give one. Pennsylvania Coalition Against Rape uh, shared a story last week on uh, social media. It was a column that a woman wrote that um, I think she was talking about uh, Bill Cosby and uh, you know some of the other men that have been accused of sexual misconduct, that if there are 15, if there are 20 women, there are 30 women that have made these accusations and they're consistent that the media should not use the word alleged because even though you know you're innocent until proven guilty and some of these guys most of them have not been taken to court if you have that many people saying the same thing that you can take it as fact 
Dan, that's that's kind of a complicated question, but the point that the caller makes and my question, do we have a responsibility as journalists to call them as we see them? Yes, I often uh, I often tell young journalists uh, in particular, but uh, the the advice is uh, just as pertinent to seasoned journalists. Uh, you've got to be the umpire in this uh, baseball game of politics and of go- of governance and of life. Uh, you've got to call the balls and strikes right down the middle, if you will, and uh, be as impartial and objective as humanly possible uh, as as you do it. And I think. We have seen a lot of uh, a lot of reporting, uh, particularly from the national media, uh, about uh, some of the uh, and I will use the word alleged lies and and, and uh, half truths or or lies by omission uh, that uh, have been committed by the president and others in in his administration. So there is that to some degree. Um, I, you know, as, as an aside, uh, this summer I spent a week in Russia. I was invited uh, to go to St. Petersburg and Moscow uh, to talk about press freedom in the United States. And Russia is a country where 95% of the news media is either owned by or otherwise controlled by uh, the federal government. And uh, what Russians see on their televisions at night and what they hear on the radio and read in their newspapers uh, is what the Kremlin wants them to read and see and hear, uh, almost all in, in almost all occasions. And you know, I spoke to a group of journalists in St. Petersburg, and uh, one of the questions I got is uh, was, why isn't the U.S. media uh, reporting more on NATO's encroachment of Russia's sovereignty through additional military exercises in Croatia? And I was sort of taken aback by that question. Clearly, the the, the reporter was from either a state-owned or state-controlled uh, news organization, but they were approaching that issue from uh, with a preconceived notion that the fact NATO was doing more um, more military exercises in Croatia that that was uh, uh, somehow a threat to Russian sovereignty. Uh, so. You know, as, as bad as many people think things are in the United States, uh, they could always be worse. And uh, it's up to us as journalists uh, to do as the caller suggested, uh, to to uh, to call out when uh, things occur that uh, are just uh, so divorced from the truth, uh, it's practically unbelievable. But then you're going to have other people who will respond that, well, see, we knew that there there was an anti-Trump bias or there's a bias there or this is your opinion. Again, we this goes back to what people want to believe in the echo chamber. But what about that when a media, when a story is written or a story is reported that we say that this is a lie on the part of uh, of the president? Well, facts are facts. And, you know, as much as some in Washington and elsewhere would like us to believe it, there's no such thing as alternative facts. <laughs> and so, you know, we have a responsibility to uh, call out uh, politicians, public officials, government leaders at all levels uh, when, when there is a, a contradiction between what they say and what we know the indisputable facts are. Let's go to Philip in Ephrata. Philip, you're on the air. I think there's been fake news and all kinds of different news all through history. We, those of us in the edu- in education, bear a lot of the responsibility for spending our time training employees rather than educating citizens. I think a smart way to go about this would be to start insisting that our schools produce thinking discerning citizens rather than rather gullible consumers of whatever news they Mm. care to have, especially those of us who are in vocational education. It is the tradesman, the craftsman, who has to interpret that well. Thank you. Hey, thank you very much for your call. What he's talking about, Tim, obviously is critical thinking. And uh, you know, and I wanted to use that as a segue. That that's something else that we here at WITF are looking at in the future, as as far as literacy, media literacy. You know, talk a little bit about that, about what 
not just young people, but any news consumer needs to understand. Well, I think uh, the critical thinking part is 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 important to to be willing to go outside of your 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 bubble, whether you know you you are a liberal or a conservative. Um, I think you want to uh, you want to make sure that children, especially coming up through school now, that have been sort of uh, given an electronic device, a phone or a tablet, you know, at four or five years old, and they're used to just going on the internet and, and checking things out. So um, it's important to start early with some of these kids. And uh, WITF has a pilot program uh, at the York uh, STEAM Academy um, to, I think it was third and fourth graders, to talk about uh, media literacy and, and help them understand, you know, hey, you're reading something, but you should be asking yourself, you know, these types of questions about um, what you, you know, instead of believing everything you read, you're asking yourself these questions as to where this fact came from and uh, is this the right context? Did they leave anything out? So I agree with the caller. I think, um, you know, the the more that people uh, take a good hard look at stories, you would hope that they would hold up. Um, and, and um, you know, we've seen that example with uh, what Project Veritas tried with the Washington Post um, to try to sneak through someone, a fake accuser, um, uh, to see if the Post would print it and then embarrass the Post. Well, it ended up proving that the Post's approach to journalism was able to sniff that out because that's what journalists do. Dan, your thoughts on on that incident last week? I mean, again, I think it, it goes to the times we live in. Oh, absolutely. And that's certainly not the first time Project Veritas has uh, attempted to embarrass uh, the, the, the news media and other organizations with which uh, it uh, disagrees ideologically. Uh, I applaud the Washington Post for for not just ferreting out that that uh, scam, uh, but uh, doing such a good job of responsible journalism that, that they weren't fooled uh, and uh, were able to uh, call it what it was. Mm. Let's take another call from Tony in Lancaster. Tony, you're on the air. Hello, Tony. Uh, I guess Tony's uh, not there any longer. I will say this, though, there are some issues that I think, you know, there's always been, well, in the last year, there's been much analysis about uh, the reasons that uh, Donald Trump won. One of the things that that we have heard most often is, you know, white working class people elected uh, Donald Trump, and they live in rural areas of of the country, not in the New Yorks, the Washingtons, the Los Angeleses. and I've, I have to say that there are some issues I notice when I hear reported or read about that I can just tell that this reporter doesn't really understand. Guns is one in particular. When I read a, uh, I can remember a Philadelphia Inquirer story that was talking about something in north central Pennsylvania, which is a very rural area, a lot of, a lot of hunters, and it almost was portrayed as this, anyone who owns a gun, that somehow they're a gun nut, why would anyone own a gun? How can this possibly be a good thing? I think it goes to the point of a responsible professional journalist having to dig into the story they're doing, the topic that they're doing, and to be able to, to report on it accurately. Right, and I think it's a matter of understanding your audience as well and understanding, um, you know, the people you are talking to. You have to have a, a bit of that, and I think Guns is a good example because, you know, sometimes when some reports come out, you, you know, I'll I'll get complaints from listeners about how somebody referred to an assault rifle. Well, there really isn't an assault rifle. It's a semi-automatic rifle, or it's an AR-15, or or whatever, an AK-47. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a case of again, like journalists have to take that extra step to make sure that every single thing they report is accurate and in the proper context. So, Dan, we only have a few minutes left. What's the answer if there is one? The number one answer is uh, it's on us. It's on journalists to be more transparent, to be more uh, accountable to the public, uh, to welcome uh, criticism and open dialogue with news consumers about what responsible journalism is and how it helps society and also, in some unfortunate cases, uh, causes harm to society, such as the the ABC News uh, gap. Uh, in their breaking news coverage of the Michael Flynn story late last week. Um, You know, the stock market took a 350-point dip right after that special report aired on ABC News. Uh, But again, Brian Ross, the the reporter who committed that factual error, uh, has been suspended. He is being held accountable. He has tweeted himself 
My job is to hold people accountable. That's why I agree with my being held accountable in this case. So it, 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 it's about accountability and it's about transparency. You know, I tell uh, TV general managers, TV uh, reporters local, at the local level all across the country, uh, don't just say at the end of a, a, a controversial story about the mayor, for example, the mayor's office declined to comment. Show in the report your reporter actually calling the mayor's office and not getting a comment. Uh, be as transparent as you possibly can, and also be transparent about the ethical dilemmas you face almost on a daily basis in newsrooms across the country. Uh, people would be many people would be surprised at, at how seriously journalists take it when they're faced with these ethical dilemmas and the process through which they go to make decisions about how they cover uh, stories within that prison. And, and I think we have to do a better job of explaining that to the, to the public. Tim, I think what you described earlier with uh, the project uh, is, is we're trying to do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And first, I just wanted to thank Dan for uh, his, his great guidance in, in leading the First Amendment Task Force and leading our TDNA through these, these times and uh, for all his efforts to make sure that the... the, the uh, the the gospel of journalism gets out there. So thank you very much, Dan. Well, thank you, Tim. And, and and just for the Trusting News Project, I mean, it's very important to us to make sure that our audience believes that we're a credible organization and that our reports are um, as factually uh, investigated as possible. Tim Lambert is WITF's uh, Marley Media News Director, and uh, Dan Shelley is the Executive Director of the Radio Television Digital News Association. Gentlemen, thank you very much for being with us today. My pleasure, Scott. And thank we, you, Scott. We encourage you to go to our website, WITF.org, and continue the conversation. We had a lot of phone calls today, a lot of comments, but uh, go to our website, leave some comments, because we always are interested in those comments, uh, the things that you have to say. Coming up on uh, tomorrow's program, we're going to be discussing net neutrality and also the Barney Yule Project uh, to honor Lancaster's gold medal Olympic winner from the 1940s. That's coming up on uh, tomorrow's program, so be sure to tune in. Smart Talk is produced by WITF as part of our mission to deliver relevant, high-quality programming. Support comes from Capital Blue Cross, which shares WITF's commitment to being a trusted resource in our communities. Capital Blue Cross, live fearless. Smart Talk is also supported by the team of cardiologists, surgeons, nurses, physicians' assistants, and rehabilitation specialists from Pinnacle Health Cardiovascular Institute, part of UPMC Pinnacle, delivering a broad range of traditional and highly specialized procedures. 